How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. The following is a paid program. The views or claims made are not necessarily those of WILK staff, management, or sponsors. Time for Laurie and Lynn. Local talk to start your weekend right. And now, Laurie and Lynn on WILK. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? Just wonderful, thank you. Did you have a lovely week? I did. And guess what? I'm really here today. Yeah, Laura, believe so it or not, I told you. You can't complain that I'm not. Here. I was complaining last week that you take way too much time off. But from it was our a show. wonderful thing. <laughs> it was great. Went with my sister and my niece and my nephew to Cape May, New Jersey. We had the most phenomenal weather. It was just beautiful. And it was a nice, believe it or not, four and a half hour drive each way. Um, It's very nice. It worked out very well. So I was very happy to take those four days, spend some time with my fam. And it was good. Fam damn. Very good. So um, what did you do when I wasn't here last week? Um, Someone came in for the whole time. Oh, Oh, yeah, Nisha. Yeah, Nisha Aurora. Okay. That's good. And we had a nice little chat. And she did a good job, and good. she sat actually in your chair, too. Oh, How good. about it? Good, good. How about it? <laughs> so, yeah, we had a good time. Yeah? Did we learn anything new about uh, a real estate market? No, we were talking more about, a little bit, but we were talking more about what ERA is doing and how involved in the community and what they put out there, and, and they were part of a Latin festival, which was last week, I think Mm -hmm. she said at Lake Harmony, Mm -hmm. and that that was the first time because of their office, they're in Monroe County as well, so she was just talking about that and becoming involved in that community. There's, I guess, several agents in Monroe County who um, are bilingual, Spanish-speaking as well, and um, they wanted to be involved with That's it. Good. So, yeah, so they were just which I which I always say Sunita always involves herself that way um, and helps uh, shelters and and um, different things that she feels are important in a community and mm-hmm. she the the agents rally around. So that was a good thing. So I'm sure they did well although I didn't talk to her about it yet. But you know what I think was the cutest thing, Lynn? I don't know if you read the paper yesterday and I just have to say I I just think it's wonderful. Um because of all the other stuff, you hear the bad stuff and all this. There was a story about this um, maintenance guy from the Midtown Apartments. Did you read that in Scranton? Oh, oh near with Cooper's the with the bunny? Yes. <gasps> I loved it. I love that. That was so wonderful. That story and that little family helping him, seeing the bunny go in and, you know, making, getting someone to come over and help them and like doing bunny CPR best they could do. <laughs> and the little bunny was revived and hopped away. Yes. Just like hopped off, you yes. know, after they it was did wonderful. What, and they put him where he was found. So he was close to, if it was a girl or boy, a mom, a father, who yeah. knows what it was. Cause yep. you never know with bunnies, um, <laughs> that they, that, that they did that. I think it's this 
I love a bunny, even though they can be destructive in my yes. garden. Yes, I know. <laughs> Which they are. I just think they're the cutest little things. They are. They're adorable. I love them. Love yeah. them, love them. So I just want to say to those people who helped and that, man, I don't have his name. I meant to keep it and I didn't. But you know who you are. And that gentleman at the Midtown Apartments who is in the maintenance uh, uh, department there. Thank you for that. What a wonderful act of kindness. And I know there was another gentleman. I don't know what his name was. But that is unbelievable that people would take the time to help a little tiny innocent bunny. Yeah. Like, that's such humanitarianism at its greatest, and I love it. So mm-hmm. hats off to people who will do that. And that's the stuff you want to hear more of, this oh, wonderful yes. good stuff that yes. people do for one another, yes. not the bad stuff. So keep the good going, guys. So congratulations on that. Well, the other and, all the good stuff going on are the Olympics. Oh, that, and, and that's wonderful been wonderful. I've been is. staying up late, although I did not last night. But I stay up late because I love the girls, the gymnastic team, the the, the final five, as they call yep. themselves. I guess next Olympics, four years from now, it'll be only four. They're not having five participate. So Why? they call, I don't know. I guess they changed the rules that it's now okay. going to be a group of four. So they're not only the final five because there's no longer five, there's four, but also Marta Caroli's last year. And as so coach. that's as their coach. And she even cried. Yeah, she's phenomenal. Oh, my God. She's amazing. And it all started with Nadia Comaneci. Yeah. Remember? Yeah, and so she's, re- you know who she's married to, right? No, Bart who? Connors, the other gymnast. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they're married. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I saw pictures of the two of them now that you mentioned that. Um, maybe last month in preparation for all the promotion about the Olympics. And when I looked at her, I didn't even recognize yeah, her. Well, there was just nothing about her face that said to me, that's not Nadia. A, no. And just like, through. you know, for me, those the names that that was the big thing. I don't even know when she won the gold, but her name. And then, of course, the Dorothy Hamill mm-hmm. and even Mary Lou um, Retton. Retton was another one yeah. of those uh, back in our my yeah. day. You know, watching. I was thinking about that last night as I was watching them. And I was thinking about who were, what year was that when all of them were together, Mary Lou and and that whole group. It has know. to be. Was she with 20? Nadia, though? I don't think so. I think she was after Nadia. After. after. Yeah. But and then I'm Mark Spitz, of course, way before that. But, yeah. like, even the Dorothy Hamill, like, all those people. It was so neat to, to, to look back and think of who are, in my, as a young girl, looking at these young women. It was mm-hmm. amazing. To, yeah. Those were the ones then. But these kids are unbelievable, what they can do now. And Michael Phelps and his swimming is it's just unbelievable. It's extraordinary. I, I don't, I don't like get it. He has 21 human. gold medals right now. He has more than that. No, 21 gold. He has more than that. He well, got did some he more win last, last night? night? Yeah. Okay, well, I'm just saying, yeah. at the last report, more, it was 21. Think, and, he, and then he has a couple silver and a couple bronze, or one bronze. <sighs> or whatever. It's unbelievable. How many did he win last night? See, I wasn't, two more? Mm-hmm. See, I wasn't paying attention. I didn't watch it, see? Yeah. See what happens when you sleep? <clears throat> it's unbelievable. Um, yeah, so, so he's not done yet. I don't think. No. I don't know. Also, I have to say, I was at, um, I was, you know how I do my shows, my medical shows for CHS and the mm-hmm. Medical Society. So we were at Scranton Orthopedic yesterday, and I interviewed this great guy, Dr. Tim uh, Seebecker is his name. And I said, as soon as I read it, I said to myself, I'm going to call this guy B-Secker. I know I'm going to do that <laughs> because B-Secker's from West Side. So I was, yes. I knew I was going to say the wrong name because I do it. And now it's and you dyslexic that I am. I re- I mean, I'm not diagnosed, but I, I am. And I thought, uh. I'm going to do it. No, I didn't. So the whole show, I pronounced everything correctly. I did. Yes. At the very end of the show, I say, 
I say B. Secker instead of C. Becker. And I said, oh, my God, I can't believe I did it. So wait to hear the story, which is so cute. So after what? he's a wonderful guy. He even said, do you want to sit while I stand? I said, no, we're this is perfect. He said, I'm just being a gentleman. My mother trained me well. I said, that's right. Wonderful, wonderful guy. He's a podiatrist. And um, I just loved him. So he tells the story that he went to St. Paul grade school and he had his sister I think he said her name was Sister Claire and she would uh, she'd go down the list and we you know when you called roll and she would say Tim C. B. Secker and he'd say uh, Sister it's C. Becker and he goes she goes oh I know I know next day same thing so he said couple days later they're in row alphabetical they're standing in alphabetical order and she's going to the she's down at the end and she said b secker what are you doing down here with the s's you should be up with the b's <laughs> and he said sister it's c becker it's an s and she said get up with the b's like so Dude, that was. Oh, I said you God. should have said that on air because that Absolutely. was too, that was funny, that and was it was. Really and he said when you like. I think when I said I know I'm going to call you B Secker, he said I like it must have thought I can't get away from this. <laughs> I'm sure you're not the first person oh, in his no. life. No, and then I'm yeah. down in Dallas this morning and I see an, another company called B Secker. I'm like, oh, this oh. is just going to haunt me now. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, so that was good. And the other thing I have to talk about Westside. Um, Meyer said to me last night which was Wednesday the 10th. He said, yeah, did you read the letter to the editor? I said, well, I read one. And he said, no, did you read the guy from Westside? I said, no. He said, oh, you're gonna love it. I said, so he said, I'll read it. So he was telling the story of a teacher in the 60s who said when he watched the opening ceremony of the um, Giselle walking across as oh. the girl from Ipanema. Is that how you say yes. it? Yes. Okay. And Oh, yeah, that was weird. Yeah, I didn't know that that's what they were doing because I, did, well, I didn't have the sound. I was, I was out, so I could only see no, that. I mean, I'm just thinking, I don't know why, but I read that letter. And that letter really disturbed me. Why? Because it just seemed weird that this guy, who was a teacher, so what? was watching this girl walking down the hall so what? and fantasizing he about her. He didn't say that. He didn't say it, but that's what he was saying. No, that's oh, the thing man. I like. So what? Here's the deal. I'm going to tell you why I thought this was neat. It brought back very good memories for me. Of course, that was in the 60s. Okay. I wasn't at West until I was in the late 70s yes. and graduated in 79. But that being said... Um, the fact that he said West is best and West Side girls are pretty, which I loved all to hear that. But there's no difference, no matter what age you are, to think someone's attractive. That so what? They can think that all they want in high school. That's that's people are women are. It's the crazy people, which this that's why you automatically think that way. But I'm thinking in a good way because I had a teacher who and I uh, this and it was just one of those things I was in 10th grade and I was coming out of the office at West and not for a bad reason I had to drop <laughs> off the reports of who was you in it who wasn't girl. and Come I know on. exactly what I had on a, a navy blue pleated Pendleton skirt long to the middle of my calf pleated and I, an off-white silky blouse button up front with a bow attached to the neck that you tied and sure it draped you weren't down. going to some kind of a Catholic school no no I that's exactly and I had on shoes with high heels with like a strap going across. I remember exactly 
what I had on. And I just started getting my hair highlighted. Because mm-hmm. I always had like mousy blonde hair, and, and I just started getting some highlights. And I remember I was walking down past the guidance offices uh, from the office to my to my homeroom, and Mr. Bob Spagna, God rest his soul, he's no longer with us. He was sitting at the front and it's on a bench at the front doors of the school, probably on hall guard because all the teachers took turns doing that, as this guy said he did. And he was sitting at the bench, and he and he sees me walk. I didn't see him, and I was walking by, and he said, Miss. <clears throat> Cadden. And I said, oh, hi, Mr. Spagna. He goes, come here. And he put his hand on the bench and I, I walked over. I said, okay, well, I'm not going to, t- another teacher who I respect is asking me to go. I, so I sat down next to him. He said, I just have to tell you something. I said, what's that, Mr. Spagna? He said, you have blossomed into a beautiful young lady. And I just want you to know that. I said, thank you. I said, oh my God, thank you, Mr. Spagna. He goes, now get back to school, get back to homeroom. <laughs> And I remember feeling as a kid, okay, 16 years old, you're, you know, you're, you're feeling a little insecure, you're trying to figure, and you know, your father, who always tells you you're beautiful and you're the best, and as you know, Big Jim Cadden has always done that for me, mm-hmm. from somebody, an adult, who isn't related to you or isn't part of, who like admired you in some way and was very wonderful about it and kind about it and honest and just plain old nice I thought to myself oh my god like like I felt so like on a cloud walking back to school not that that's everyone because someone says you're a beautiful girl or whatever just that when you're a kid and you're sort of finding your way and somebody says something, it just makes you feel good. So that was a, and I used to told his, his son, Jeff, who I love that story that I never forgot that that was one of the most wonderful things as going through high school that I remembered and feeling a little awkward and then knowing, like hearing that, and it was meant so nicely. I thought, uh-uh, this is perfect. So I, mm-hmm. I just, I just love it. So that reminded me of that, of that story. Cause I think it's, it's wonderful to admire that and how can you not be when you're uh, i don't know i think I, it's I great disagree with no I, mean, I think it's great I, his letter i i'm not saying there's anything wrong with what you're you're talking about but just the way i read that letter last night it's only because you're thinking where we shouldn't be because of the crap that has gone on we have well, to look at this purely as innocent and that's what they thought of just no different than the guy who was lo- re- writing that letter this girl could have been 16 and she was she was 16 i saw her interviewed as that guy sitting in the in the cafe writing that song he saw the same girl walking by and she was 16 17 years old same thing. And it was just admiring beauty. And I think that's what's the most important thing. And I love that he said it. More importantly, that he said, West Side girls are pretty. Yay. So here we go. Anyway, to all you West Side girls, you go, girls. Anyway, we'll be right back. You're listening this morning to the Laurie and Lynn Show. Here's Laurie and Lynn. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? Wonderful. Thank you very much. Oh, good. I am doing fine as well. My name is Lynn Evans. I am the president and CEO of Northeastern Financial Consultants. We're a fee-only financial planning firm in Clark Summit. And I'm also the author of a book called Power of the Purse, Fear-Free Finances for Baby Boomer Women, available on Amazon.com. Yes. And what's your name? Oh. (laughs) Oh, don't mind me. I'm cleaning my phone. <laughs> my name's Laurie Cadden. I'm the owner of Laurie Cadden Enterprises, which is a fundraising PR and special event business. 
So I have to tell you that uh, while I was away last week, there was a lot of activity going on in my world. And um, I actually was successful in getting um, these podcasts that I have been recording. They are now officially live. And the website is powerofthepursepodcast.com. And they are on iTunes. I think it's called Skitcher and a Google Play. So you can subscribe to my podcast and listen to all the wonderful interviews I did with some really cool people, including the very first one I did was with Dr. Linda Brace. And um, it was fun to do that because even though I've known Linda for a long time, there were some things that came out in that conversation about her relationship with her grandma. And I thought it was really fun. Uh It's really nice things. So please go and subscribe. Uh, power of the purse podcast.com and by the way linda had her um fundraiser this past weekend for cody mm-hmm. and it was a huge success i got That's there a little bit late but i was there and they did very 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 well so hats off to everybody who's who's participated and helped with that that's a wonderful thing giving scholarship to um a scranton prep student full scholarship as well as helping the gift of life which mm-hmm. is very important yep because cody's um, organs were given to so many people i think that's amazing and the people the work year after year and the people who just come out the outpouring is unbelievable and a tribute to linda and mike's love as their of a parent of who lost a child and mm-hmm. cody's uh, uh commitment continues so That's good great. for them yep that and also wonderful. too um we have to give a shout out to Two. nada and mike gilmartin for our tomato tuesday adventure at their house tuesday night we had a great group of people and it was such fun. We had so much fun. Mm-hmm. And it was Lynn and Pat and Meyer and yours truly and Nada and Mike and Katie Gilmartin and Jeff Kiefer and Deb Peterson and Randy Williams. Yeah. So we had a really good time. There were 11 of us and we had fun, fun, fun. So when I sent Michael a, the next day a thank you, a little text, I put a, 11 tomatoes on the, um, oh. the you know, the little, oh, yes. what do you call emojis? Uh, they emojis. were 11 of them and I put one for each of us. Very nice. <laughs> so Very it was... Nice. Um, it was a lot of fun, and thank you to the Gilmartins because we had a blast. It was great. And really, Patrick was well-behaved. He was, he, that, relatively speaking, yes. Uh-huh. Yes, but I did love the vanilla ice oh, cream Oh, and Brenda, Brenda Pistocchi, too. I forgot I thought Brenda. You said her. I didn't say oh, Brenda. Sorry. How about that? Yeah, okay. Yes. So we had fun. Everybody was feeding off everybody else's warped sense of humor. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, Patrick had a good time. Mm-hmm. Of course he did, sure as he always. Did. With with all that kind of silliness, he mm-hmm. yes, he did. So, um, I have a story. So, let us read the story. I had this actually the last time I was here, but I never got to it. Esther could not understand how she was able to earn so much money during her medical career and see so little of it when she was nearing retirement. She recalls digging into her savings to write a check to the IRS in April of every year, since it seems she never had enough money deducted from her paycheck to satisfy her tax bill. How could this be? 
She was very disappointed in the tax advice she was given over the years because she believed she was contributing whatever her accountant told her into her 401k plan at the hospital and making the correct quarterly estimated payments to the IRS. She thought she was on top of this. Esther decided another opinion might be helpful, but she was angry and embarrassed to admit to anyone she had not paid that much attention to her own financial situation, but instead relied on what she thought was expertise. She had heard about something called a fee-only financial advisor from the American Medical Women's Association, but she couldn't figure out how to find one. She finally sat down in front of her computer and Googled it, and she found one. I was happy she had done some research into the value of having a fee-only planner review what she had done and asked her to bring in her tax returns for the last three years, her 401k statement at the end of the last quarter, and some other information we need to be prepared for the initial meeting. When we took a look at what she had done tax-wise, we realized she had not been too far off. Esther could invest more money from a consulting job she had with her medical practice for which no income taxes were withheld. Once that was discovered and an automated investment plan had been devised, her quarterly estimated income tax payments increased and a chance and a change in her 401k investment strategy implemented, Esther was in far better shape and felt more confident in her planning. No more surprises in April every year. She also realized she would come under a mandatory retirement age buyout from her practice in three years and go to a part-time position. A review of this contract showed a change from a salaried employee to one of a consultant. Another opportunity for her to get her own retirement plan and try to catch up with those retirement savings goals. Even though it was hard for Esther to swallow her pride and admit she was floundering on the personal finance side of things, she was greatly comforted by the review and redirection we formulated for her. The end. Okay. Alrighty. So, it was interesting to see how that one all developed. Yeah. Yeah. That was a short one. Yeah. Well, sometimes they are, right? Yeah, sometimes they are. I mean, it's pretty clear cut, but whatever. Then we have um, how to escape the bad money habits you picked up from your parents. Now, once again, we're going to blame our parents. Yeah. And do we have to say they're all bad? No. There we go. No, no. I mean, maybe sometimes they're never bad is how I mean that. Well, it could could be. be But there are some people that pick up bad habits from their parents. So we have to, you know, to look at that. Um, Maggie McCombs, 26, a content marketer and social media consultant in Lexington, Kentucky, grew up believing her family was struggling. Her stay-at-home mom managed the household finances and kept an extremely tight budget, allowing for almost no spending money for anything beyond housing and food. For entertainment, the family went to parks, visited an amusement park once a month, and ate at a budget restaurant three times a year. It wasn't until she graduated college that she found out her dad, a software engineer, actually earned a sizable yearly salary. So why was her mother so tight-fisted? It stemmed from her dirt-poor childhood on a farm with a dad who was a sharecropper with many children to feed. That sense of scarcity clung to her, and in turn, she passed along her money worries to her daughter. I have a strict budget, 
McCombs says. She can afford to upgrade her lifestyle, yet the idea of spending more than the bare minimum gives her this manic feeling mixed with dread and a twinge of excitement, she explains. She lives on $2 frozen dinners, can't buy herself to replace old clothes, and is put off investing in pricey necessities like a laptop. So she internalized her mom's I have extreme another word for frugality. This lady. Yeah, well, yes. And she's now playing out the exact same pattern she grew up with. It's something that many of us do without realizing it. Our research shows that the money patterns we observe in childhood are the primary source driving our financial decision making later in life. This childhood imprint of how to deal with money cuts both ways. If you had solid financial habits, spending within your means, for example, or nipping small debts in the bud, you may be able to attribute this to smart money lessons picked up from your parents. If you tend to make fiscal mistakes, however, or stick your head in the sand to avoid budgeting and bank statements, mom and dad may be the reason. Now, you can think about that and say yes or no, but... Okay, the opposite of spoiled, a guide to raising money-savvy kids every parent should read. That's a good book. That's a suggestion. What's the name of it? The Opposite of Spoiled, A Guide okay. to Raising Money-Savvy Kids Every Parent Should Read. <clears throat> um, here's some of the steps that we thought we should take a look at in you making the obs observations about whether your money habits are those that you just automatically assumed from your parents or it's a choice you make. The first one is make the connections. To get a handle on the negative financial imprint left by your childhood, think back on how your parents influenced your money beliefs. Ask yourself a few questions. What three things did your mom and dad teach you about money? What's your earliest money-related memory and your most painful money memory? What's your biggest financial fear these days? Addressing these can uncover deep-seated patterns. For example, if your parents never talked about finances, which is the majority of families, you may have interpreted that as meaning that money's unimportant. Whereas people who grew up with spendthrift parents who modeled excessive buying are at risk for inheriting the, that attitude that more stuff will make them happier. They're likely to use money as an emotional band-aid. Number two, dig deeper. Once you've identified where your own money issues stem from, do some detective work into why your parents had the financial habits they passed to you. Have a conversation with them, if you can, about their own childhoods and what your grandparents taught them about money. And I would say that's really critical because so many of our grandparents lived through the Great Depression, and their attitude towards money is what they passed on to our parents, who may or may not have passed those on to us. So it's a good idea to go and check that out. Uh, step three, rewire your money habits. Let's say your parents instilled the idea that rich people are greedy, and as a result, you engage in self-destructive behavior that sabotages your ability to make or keep cash. First, question why you developed that concept. Maybe, maybe you grew up poor, and denouncing wealth was your parents' way of rationalizing that it's okay to be underprivileged. Next, challenge the accuracy of that position. For instance, some rich people are greedy, but others do incredible things to make the world better. I want to be one of those people. I will use my money to provide my family with positive experiences and to do philanthropic work. It is okay to have more money than I need so that I can achieve those goals. Over time, it'll replace the thinking that led to that destructive behavior. 
That's an interesting way to look at it because that is just so true that so many people, and, and this is something that I remember reading an article that someone wrote about northeastern Pennsylvania, that the attitude of the culture here is that so many of us came from immigrants who came to this country and worked in the coal mines, and they made, made nothing, and they were it was hand-to-mouth existence, and there was always this resentment of the coal mine, the barons. Barons, yeah. Yeah, so that, that was an expression of the haves and the have-nots. Uh-huh. And that there was disdain among the have-nots for people who had money, that they were greedy, they were this, they were that. And that is really, that's interesting because that is truly a part of our culture. You see that so many places. Here? Here. Yes. Yes. All the time I yeah. say that. I say we. that is true, that there's coal miner mentality here. That's what that it is. That it's the people who feel that they're, the coal, mar- coal miners got rich on the backs of the miners. Right. And they resent people having. I told you that old line people in, in northeastern mm-hmm. Pennsylvania would rather see a pulling out in a hearse than a Cadillac. That's right. That's the it's line I was really, just going to say. That's very. That sizzle right yeah, there. Yeah, I know it. So yeah. get rid of that feeling. Yes. That, but Just I like think people. it's important that people stop and think about that. You yeah. know, say that's what's driving all this. Exactly. But yeah. they don't because no. it's reinforced everywhere. I know. Okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening this morning to the Laurie and Lynn Show. We'll be right back with attorney Barbara J. O'Hara. Here's Laurie and Lynn. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back. You're listening to The Laurie and Lynn Show. I'm Laurie Cadden, the owner of Laurie Cadden Enterprises, which is a fundraising PR and special event business. And my name is Lynn Evans. I'm the president and CEO of Northeastern Financial Consultants. We're a fee-only financial planning firm in Clark Summit. I'm also the author of a book called Power of the Purse, Fear-Free Finances for Baby Boomer Women, available on Amazon.com. Well, and with us today is our lovely guest expert, attorney Barbara J. O'Hare, who's been practicing family law for the last 35 and 35, 36 or 35, 35 35 years and counting. And maybe she'll get it right. Yeah, I know. I knew it was 35, but I thought she was holding up. No, no, no. She's joking about the practicing. Practicing. And yeah, (laughs) keeps practicing. (laughs) And uh, but she's with the a partner with the law firm of Hughes, Nichols and O'Hara. And Barb is with us today to talk about things that are near and dear to my heart and to many of you so we finally understand social security and the spouse of the divorced spouse and all that fun stuff that goes along with figuring out what happens barb yes it's very interesting hi it's so nice to join you today um the reason why i wanted to talk about this is as the population's aging a lot of people are asking the question of what how do i qualify and would I be qualified to get Social Security benefits under my divorced spouse? So, the number one requirement is that your marriage has to last at, at least 10 years. Now, I'll have women in this and, and men in this tell me, oh, I wanna make sure that they don't, they don't take my benefits. Number one, everything is governed by statute. So this isn't something you divide up in the divorce, it's governed by what the legislature says and what what social security regulations are so right now what's required is a 10-year marriage so if you're married eight years don't expect to collect and by married it's from date of marriage to date of your decree 
So let's say you're together eight years, you're married and living together eight years, and then the divorce lasts another two. As long as you have the 10 years up until the date of the divorce decree, there's not a requirement that you have to be living together for the full 10. Okay. Okay. And there are times, to be honest with you, if I have a client that's nine and a half, we'll make sure it goes to 10 Uh because these are very substantial benefits. Now, when could you collect? So the requirements, if you're divorced, but your marriage lasts 10 years or longer, you're entitled to receive benefits from your ex-spouse, number one, as long as you're unmarried. Number two, you have to be 62 or older. Three, your ex-spouse is entitled to Social Security retirement or disability. And four, that the, the benefit that you're entitled to to receive based on your own is less than what you'd get from your Mm ex-spouse okay otherwise you'd be collecting your own correct okay so um that's an easy requirement and you have to be 62. so let's say i'm seeing a lot of these spouses you know mid mid 60s or 70 years old this his his divorced spouse is only 50 at that point, you say, can you collect? No, you have to wait until 62. Mm-hmm. Okay? So does, that's a problem. Does it matter at all whether the hu- husband is collecting? If you're, if they're older than you and you're of age, you can still collect whether he is or not if you're the woman? If he's collecting but you're not 62, it's no. my understanding that you can't collect. No, no. If he isn't collecting but he's only a couple years older but you're 62, that doesn't make it. It's no difference on him whether he is collecting or not. It's you have okay. to be 62. So let's say, let's say he's how old? Say he's say 65. he's 67 and you're 62. Okay, and, and he hasn't working. elected to right. to to collect. Right. And he's maybe going to 70. Right. I, I think you could still collect right still collect because you're yes, 60 because you are 62 okay, and you're unmarried i think you you tick all the boxes okay? okay so but once again at 62 it's going to be a reduced amount so if you go the full full age depending upon when you were born then then it's it's a higher amount and so some people who's who's some men let's just use a man married to a cougar so they're a little <laughs> older than they are the guy has to be 62 to the collect guy has too to be 62. so they That's can't right. collect till yes. he does. yeah okay. it, it, it's yeah. right it's not gender specific okay, great. either uh-huh. way it goes okay yes woo-hoo. so woohoo so the average person who says well if i can collect do i need to stay unmarried you do under these mm-hmm. now if you get married so if you remarry, you generally can't collect benefits on your former spouse, but if your ex-spouse hasn't applied for retirement benefits but could qualify, you can receive benefits on, on his or her record if you've been divorced at least two years. Okay, so your example before of if he's not collecting, could she collect at 62, you have to be divorced for two years. Okay. And fulfill all the other requirements. That's if you're remarried. <laughs> yeah, if Don't you, say the remarried okay. part. Uh, I can't no. be remarried, right? Yes, you can be remarried. No, no. The, it, no you can't be remarried yeah. and collect. Right. Okay, yeah. then you stop. Right, but okay. what I'm saying is what you were reading there, my understanding of that is if you get married again. If you get married again, the Social Security benefits would, would cease. Yeah, from your former spouse. Right. Okay, yes. but you're now married, you have a new spouse. 
Right. All right. So what's the part about you have to wait for two years okay. to collect If his? your ex-spouse has not applied for retirement benefits but could qualify, you can receive benefits on his or her record if you've been divorced for two years. The news from this new marriage. No. No? No. From, from the, the old, old marriage. Oh, okay. Okay. Yo. So he's not collecting. You could apply after you've been married. Okay, married for at least 10 and divorced for two. All right, there we go. That's okay. the... Uh, <laughs> so, if you're eligible for retirement benefits on your own record and your divorced spouse's benefit... I'm sorry. If you're eligible for retirement benefits on your own record and your di- divorced spouse's benefits, you'll, you will pay the retirement benefit first. I'm sorry. Social Security pays the, the retirement benefit first. If the benefit on your ex-spouse's record is higher you will get the additional amount on your ex-spouse's mm-hmm. record so that you can get a combination of benefits to equal a higher amount. In all these cases, I tell, I tell my clients, call Social Security, yep. see the amount that you would get on your own, see the amount you would get under his. Okay. okay? And the next question I always get from everybody is, does it reduce the benefits of, of their spouse? Okay, let's say... You typically you get half of what your spouse's benefits are, but it doesn't come out of their portion. It's just coming out of Social Security, mm-hmm. which is why Social Security is in such yeah, tough shape. Exactly. Because, because as what you said. could retire with multiple mm-hmm. divorced spouses collecting. Right. That's the point. You know, you're seeing people. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, they might be 80 years old, but they've been married to two or three women, mm-hmm. and each marriage has lasted more ten than years, 10 years. And they haven't so, remarried. Or yes. what? Well, yeah. No, but you have, have their portion to provide for, and that each of their divorced spouses mm-hmm. are collecting half of that amount. So that, that's, that's all from the same one contribution that was made, <laughs> but split three and yes. four ways. Back yeah. in the day when people didn't live yeah. longer than 65. Exactly. And we've talked about that before, Lynn, about... From exactly. your standpoint of planning, yep. okay. how that works. But right. go ahead, Barbara. So if you're, if you're the divorced spouse of a worker who dies, you can get benefits just the same as a widow or a widower, provided that your marriage has lasted 10 years. So this is, because um, I'll have women who say, well, if I'm a divorced spouse, but my husband died, my ex-husband dies, you can get benefits there which a lot of my clients were not aware of that, too. So it would be the same as if he were alive with the dollar amount, or is it, is the money then probably capped at what he made when he died? No, no I don't think so. No. It would depend on um, whether you're getting, if, if you were already receiving benefits as a divorced spouse, yeah. and you qualified and you're now getting your benefits, that would not change at all, even if he died. Right. Right. Because I all. get that. Yeah, it's get considered that. to be a, the divorced widow of a marriage lasting longer mm-hmm. than 10 years. All right. Yeah. So, you, so, so the on. amount of the benefit shouldn't change, right? Right. Unless she's collecting under Social Security disability versus retirement disability. Right. And Ret- retirement Social Security. They're, they're calculated differently. Yeah, because there's times you can be you can be qualified to be collecting under Social Security disability benefits, and then you're old enough to start collecting under the retirement benefits, so you shift it. You shift to the higher and amount. And it's better. Yeah. Wow. So that might affect whether or not some people 
get remarried. Get remarried. <laughs> you know, no, I, I, that's one thing I wanted to tell you, Barbara, that what? I've seen so much of, that um, th- this is a very important consideration for a lot of people. It is. Because if you're in your 60s or 70s and you're already collecting on either a deceased spouse's mm-hmm. benefits or a divorced spouse's benefits, and you both come into this with the expectation that you're going to live together and the, this is a substantial part of your income. You're right. There's no reason for you to get married because you mess it up. Right. So if you're going to reduce your income, most people look seriously. at this and say, why would they do that? And then you look at the fact that so many people, and this is a big complaint I've had, that when most people think about retirement planning, they assume they're both going to have this Social Security benefit. But then when the one spouse dies, you lose that benefit. You're right. And if that was 50% of your of income. what you expected to live where on. Where is this money coming from? People right. don't even think about that. They just assume it's forever. It's not forever. Right. You can't collect and twice. And you can't presume that the other spouse is going to be there in your golden years. You never know. That might not happen. Nope. So. Which is a good reason to look at maintaining some life insurance coverage. At what age that. would you say you stop? Stop what? Uh, stop life insurance. Well, I think you have to look at the overall picture. If you have outside assets that are not currently being used, like IRAs or 401ks that nobody's taking money from, it's you look at that and say, okay, now I can start, as a, as a widow, I can start taking money from that that I didn't right. have before. Right. But if there are no other assets, then you might want to have that kind of life insurance, which, it, which is what's called pension maximization. It's a, it's a strategy people use to say, well, how much is that benefit on a monthly basis? Then you figure it out for 20 years and bring it back to a current value and say, that's the amount of insurance I need to carry. That's good. It's a formula. It's easy to do. But it's just that it's harder to get that as you age because your insurability kicks in more so than it would be if you were 30 or 40. Right. right. So, so, and the premiums, the premiums are, are high. expensive. So you have to weigh it and just My see. My husband and I just got something saying, this is what your premium will be at 70. And it was an outrageous number. Exactly. And I thought, wow. Exactly. Is that really exactly. going to be worth it? No, probably not. <laughs> don't, we won't even go with that one. No, but that's probably term insurance, but which is not a bad thing. Again, Barbara, thank you for bringing that uh, those the information on and and having it right there because that's it. That is what it is. It says it. That's it, yeah, and you know what. It, Everybody's case is a little bit different. Sure. So you should go on on start at socialsecurityadministration.gov. Look at that. That'll give you a lot of guidance. There's a lot of questions that they answer on there. And then call up Social Security or go in and see them and say, here's my situation. What what can I expect to receive? And it's a very important tool. I know when I'm settling a case and, and you know, before you jump off the cliff and say, yeah, I'll go with that, I, I make my clients oh, find out see, yeah. what is it you're going to be getting in Social Security and what year can we stop the alimony because of that. Exactly. Because yeah. you really have to know what your, what your income coming in is going to be. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, 65 is a tough time to run out and get a job. Yeah. Okay. Well, Barbara, please tell everyone how they can get I can to you. Be re- I can be reached at 570-344-7171. My office is at 1421 East Drinker Street, Dunmore, PA. Thank you very much. Okay. We okay. will see everybody Thanks, next Barbara. week. Thank you, Barbara. And uh, everyone have a great weekend. We will be with you next week. Be safe and be nice. Bye. Bye. How powerful is Cox Internet? 
powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.